Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We're headed to the home stretch of football season and basketball is in full swing. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the action this year. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. What's going on? <laughs> had a good day. <laughs> yeah, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's been a been a pretty solid week and uh, I'm going to the Bengals Chiefs game next week. So of course Christmas is coming up, it's the 23rd I'm, I'm recording this, so I'm pretty excited. Looking forward to forward all the festivities. Fantastic. I'm glad that uh, you're going to get to watch the, uh, the magical Bengals and Chiefs game. And you guys are playing for the AFC North this week, so how about, uh, who would have thought at the start of the year the Cincinnati Bengals is playing for the AFC North title? I uh, <laughs> I still don't believe it, honestly. I mean, they're still really shocked that we don't even come getting first place at all. I mean, you know, you can go I easily right now from first to fourth. And I mean, the AFC is just insane right now. I mean, how evenly every team is. <laughs> like, you look at the standings, there's basically just three teams out of the playoffs right now, that being, of course, the Texans, Jaguars, and Jets. And literally outside of that, it is – literally a fair game the broncos are the next worst team right now in the afc according to tiebreakers and everything like that and they are seven and seven right since so i sitting at eight and six and it's currently fourth in the afc so it is it is wild how close this this entire conference is right now i mean i mean no one's eliminated and no one's even realistically eliminated at all either like it literally could be anyone's divisions uh anyone can somehow come back and clinch a conference title it, it is literally insane to see how uh unpredictable these next couple weeks are going to be and it's all been neutered because lamar jackson is hurt and that's messing with the baltimore ravens chances right now yeah also you can't help with the the browns uh covid uh covid issues as well i mean they they had a realistic shot to beat the raiders even without their two two supposed starting qbs that week and um yeah, you know, COVID, COVID has definitely put a wrench in a lot of those plays. And, you know, I hate that, you know, as, as a Bengals fan, of course, to see those, like, see our rivals, of course, have to struggle with that and everything. But at the same time, I mean, I guess if you take what we can get. And uh, right now, I mean, hey, I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. It's, it's a good idea on your part. Like, you guys you guys are going to be the worst to first team possibly at this point. And the Browns were almost there and then they lost and the Steelers are not good enough, but they're still seven, six and one. Cause that division happened to play the NFC North this year. And the NFC North has been godforsakenly terrible other than the green Bay Packers. So everyone in that division is above 500. Everyone in the AFC West is above 500. Even though I've been saying for like a week or so now, the AFC playoff picture isn't as weird as people think it is. Because the AFC is probably going to be Chiefs, Patriots, Titans, even if no one's happy about the Titans, one of the AFC North teams, then the Colts, Bills, and Chargers. It's probably how this is all going to settle itself out. Right. Yeah. Uh, I could agree that I do think there is a small chance that maybe one of those AFC North teams sneak in over maybe the Bills or someone like that. Because I know the Bills have a pretty tough schedule to end the season. Uh, but 
yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, It really just depends. I mean, I I think I I I really think that the the teams that we kind of see right now at the top are are at least in my eyes deserve deserve to be there. Uh, I mean, you can argue Cincinnati's had a couple of maybe um, controversial wins. Maybe I don't. I'm not too sure, but um, I I do know. I mean, it kind of does feel like the you know at least when it comes to the Patriots and, and the. Uh, and the Chiefs, for sure, those seem to be the two best teams in football right now. Uh, and at least in the AFC, uh, you look at the Colts, they've been absolutely rolling. And despite their horrid start, they have become one of the hottest teams in the NFL as well. I mean, the Bills have been definitely up and down and have had other moments, but it just kind of feels like that's, that should be a playoff team and a team that I can even see, see winning a couple games in the playoffs this year, despite their struggles as of late. And uh, obviously, you look at a team like uh, you know the, the Tennessee Titans, and despite all their injuries and the problems they've had over the last couple of weeks, they have still managed to win games and stay there. You know, if they had a healthy AJ Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry all season, this would be a completely different story with Tennessee. Um, yeah, I, I really think that this division is is really strong, and there are there's not really a matchup I look at in, in the AFC playoffs potentially that I don't think, hey, this is an obvious win for one of these teams, right? I mean. I, I can. I think right now it's said to be. Uh, I believe it's Bengals, Colts, uh, Bills, Titans. No, no, no. Titans. Titans would be the three. I think Bengals right. four. Colts it, five. Bills Chargers. Six. It'd be t- yeah, it'd be Titans, Chargers, and then uh, Titans, Chargers, and then Patriots, Colts. I don't look at any of those games and think, "Wow, this is going to be an easy win for any of these guys." Right? I, I, I could see this being a, a a win that can go either direction. Which is, I think, now now that you see seven teams in the playoffs, you're going to see this a lot more. You're going to see a lot more closer battles. I think that seven seed's going to be a lot better than what people are actually going to think they probably are. Uh, obviously, that, that being right now the Bills. So I mean I I really do see a chance that this can be this can be a very very interesting super wild card uh, for the playoffs. We might get a couple of upsets potentially, even though we don't even know the teams yet. Yeah, but then we have the NFC seven seed, and it reminds us that you know sometimes there just aren't seven good teams. You know sometimes <laughs> there's just not seven teams good enough to make it in a given season. Like last year so, it was the shitty Bears, and this year it's going to be Minnesota maybe. Right. Or the Saints, one of those two. Uh, but yeah, no, where there's balance in one league, there is just complete mayhem in the other. And that is that is the NFC, where it is literally, you can't find a good team in the last seed of the playoffs. I mean, the, you have the Falcons, the Saints, the, the Vikings, all these teams who are just so mediocre and are actually losing to all of these AFC teams right now. So how does it feel like any of them deserve it? They really don't. You can take any team from the AFC that's cut seven, seven or eight and six right now. And they'd probably be the favorite to make the playoffs in the NFC, which just says a lot about how absolutely chaotic it's been, uh, I guess, the last couple of weeks there. But I mean, at, at least the 49ers just started to make some separation for the sixth seed. I know that that was another big question I had for a while. Are the 49ers legit enough? And that kind of feels like to me they've proved that over the last couple of weeks. I think now you could probably easily consider them as a as a you know playoff contender or at least a, a wild card who can co- go in and, and make at least one game interesting, hopefully. But outside of that, though, I mean, I guess like you said, it's it's really, really, really weird how the uh, NFC has kind of mashed up this year to see all these just really, really bad teams. I mean, teams like the Seahawks, who you didn't even expect to be bad this year, are, are just performing terribly. And, uh, you know, even I know it's not maybe as surprising as the others, but even then you can argue the Bears have had a couple of really successful seasons the last few years to see that they are doing as poorly as they are now. I believe, what, 4-10, and 4-9, uh, something like that. Uh, I mean, it is I think 4-10 really and 10 now. 
but we we stopped talking about the Bears four weeks ago, so it's 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 somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, it, it is just it is really surprising to see those teams perform that badly, uh, and and it, it really has changed things up a bit. I mean, I think we all expected the Seahawks to be a playoff contender. I think a lot of us expected the Vikings to be playoff contenders, maybe even a team like the Saints. And if not one of those teams, you know, you thought maybe the Bears had a chance because of what they've done recently. And uh, obviously, that's just not happened. I mean, none of these teams have worked out the way they've wanted to. I think it's been, uh, uh, you know, mainly because of poor coaching uh, among all those teams, as well as, uh, you know, a couple of injuries here and there. But at the same time, I mean, there almost is no excuse to see how poorly these teams have performed. So what do you do with the Saints beating the Bucks last week? Like, do you just walk away with that result and say, ah, that's just a weird football one? Or do you just kind of be like, ah, okay, that, you know, the, the Saints are actually better than we thought and the Bucks just had a bad game and now the Saints might make the playoffs or as we like to call them, the New Orleans Camaras. No, I, I think that's exactly where their identity lies. I mean, if they that was their ideal game. This is a team that has to rely on their defense to win football games. And the defense held Tom Brady to zero points for the first time in several years. It was really impressive. And and I think if it's, the Saints are going to win a football game, it is going to be with Alvin Kamara on offense and with their insane defense holding you know their opponents to less than two touchdowns. That, that's, that's just how they're going to have to win football games. And they got lucky enough to do it this week. They had Tom Brady make a couple of mistakes, had a couple of key turnovers, resulted in some field goals. Of course, Alvin Kamara was able to touch, touch the ball almost every single play and, and be successful there. So, I mean, absolutely, I was you know not impressed with the Saints offense by any means, but you couldn't really ask for a better game for, from the Saints than what they did just due to how well they played defense and were able to take Tom Brady and the you know, Tampa Bay offense out of the game pretty much. So what do you make from the Saints winning even though they only scored nine points? Because I, I feel like this is kind of who the Saints are at this point, is they're going to struggle to right. score on offense and their defense may be good some games and maybe not others. And it's low upside and they still might also get into the playoffs because I think they can beat Miami this week. And it's very confusing because then they play the Panthers and they play the Falcons. It's very strange how this has worked out for the Saints. The Saints could honestly just not run the ball at all during a game, and it wouldn't sh- surprise me. Like, I mean, or, not run the ball, pass the ball. They could not pass the ball an entire game, and it wouldn't shock me because I feel like this is a team that has to just rely purely on the run. We kind of saw it in, in the game. You know, you, you see them get down to these second – second and 12, second and 10, uh, you know, third and third and eight, third and nine, third and 10. Uh, these, these plays where they're behind the sticks and all of a sudden they're, they're forcing a throw deep or they're forcing something to Alvin Kamara and it's just not, it's getting snuffed out really quickly. It's not working out. We saw a lot of three and outs from that. Uh, I, I think what they really need to do is focus on running the ball, especially in the first two downs, getting the ball to Alvin, Alvin Kamara or Taysom Hill, trying to make some packages where we get a lot more read options or maybe triple options or something like that uh, in the NFL. I know that rare. I mean, I know that's a very, very rare thing to see in the NFL, but I mean, kind of take a, a play out of the Saints playbook or something like that, where you're able to try to free up one of Alvin Kamara or Taysom Hill to let them get some big plays on the outside or, or, or between the tackles. I mean, I, I really think that this is a team that, can find some success in the offense, at least some success. But like you said, in the Tampa Bay game, of course, it was little to none. And at the same time, you know, credit Tampa, Bay, Tampa Bay's defense, they did perform really, really well despite their offensive struggles and a lot of turnovers that they had. Um, you know, it, it was a really, really good game by the Tampa Bay offense. I just think where the normal things are able to take advantage of it was the field position. Of course, they went in the field position battle throughout the entire game and it resulted in three big field goals that 
ended up pushing the Saints uh, over to win the football game. But yeah, I mean, I, I would be lying if I said I wouldn't be worried if I was a Saints fan. I think we obviously kind of kind of tell throughout this entire season the passing game is just not where they want it to be right now. Um, really don't have a true wide receiver one without Michael Thomas. Uh, really don't have a true wide receiver two without Michael Thomas right now. It has been really rough to find it. One of those guys, I know they look towards Mark West Calloway a lot. He's been mediocre. Uh, you know, there's not really been any guy that I've seen on this team, I, I, at least in the wide receiver core, that I've been impressed with. So I, I definitely think next year you're going you're gonna to notice a notable, um, I, I think a notable need at wide receiver and maybe even quarterback uh, in the NFL drafts and free agency. And if they can be able to solve one of those two positions or both of those positions, I do think it can be in pretty solid shape. Though I do think it's possible Jameis Winston comes back and has a great season. Um, I also wouldn't mind them maybe looking towards round two or three of this draft, looking to get one of those mid-round quarterbacks I am big fans of right now. Uh, I do think that could be a smart move. But, I mean, you know, it, it's just – if we're talking about just based off this season, I really think it just has to rely on the run game. If you have to run three plays in a row, uh, at, at least at some point, you know, you're getting guaranteed yards. I, I don't think I can trust Taysom Hill to throw a pass deep to one of these mediocre wide receivers uh, in double coverage. It just doesn't work for me. So who do you think is going to end up getting that last spot in the NFC? Is it going to be the Vikings or is it going to be the Saints? Or is it going to be one of those other crappy teams that's kind of hanging around at six wins? Yeah, uh, I had I to take a look at their schedules. I'm not entirely sure their schedules, but I think based off of team talent and who I think is a better football team right now, uh, I would give it to the Vikings. I, I do think the Vikings are a team that is capable of uh, being a playoff contender right now. We, we of course, Kirk Cousins is having a very, very good season, uh, kind of underground good season. No one's really seen it kind of coming. He's at the best TD to interception ratio in the NFL right now. Uh, he looks to be performing pretty good uh, for what he's been asked for. Of course, they've had a couple of injuries to Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook over the last couple of weeks. So they, I do know that they've been kind of struggling with that, but their defenses have been looking pretty solid. They finally starting to find a pass rush. DJ Wanham's been playing his, I mean, he's just been playing amazingly the last couple of weeks. Uh, I know he had a very good time against the Bears sacking, uh, you know, uh, uh, Fields, of course, Justin Fields. But uh, I, I definitely think this is a team that is kind of maybe on the opposite side of the spectrum for, from the Saints. I mean, it's a team that really has to find their identity. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, playing with a high-powered offense and really relying on their offense to just – control the game and score so many points where they don't have to worry about their defense to kind of catch up. Uh, their second day has been super weak last couple of weeks. And of course, they're, I would say it's probably been the weakest position. Of course, they also just got rid of uh, starting quarterback Rashad Breland due to the, I guess, uh, the uh, off the field incidents that they kind of had uh, with him. So, um, you know, I, I really think this is a, a depleted secondary and a, ple- a depleted defense that really is going to rely on their offense to score a lot of points right now. And, and do I trust the, uh, Vikings offense over the Saints defense is the big question, and I think I do. I think I do prefer the Saints or the Vikings offense and what they can do. Um, just based off what I've seen so far this season, how safe they are with the ball normally, uh, how they're able to score whenever needed, almost. I mean, every single time you're in crunch time, you can see a, a, a you know key play, key field goal, at least attempt that they can have. Uh, I, I do really think this this Vikings offense is reliable, and I would take them to win the, the seventh seed at the moment. So in the AFC side, what is your breakdown of the Baltimore-Cincinnati game this week? Because you are a Cincinnati Bengals fan and expert, an NFL draft expert, and you cover the team sometimes from the games. So you going in, what is your emotion and thought of the game this weekend against Baltimore? 
Yeah, I mean, I'll try to keep it unbiased. I guess uh, the question right now is: I mean, you, you know, don't, you're not required I... to. You're not required right. to keep it unbiased. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand. Uh, the the, uh, the ultimate key right now, and what everyone's looking at, is whether or not Lamar Jackson's going to be healthy for this game or not. But uh, I, I actually saw a Bengals page say this, and I almost kind of agree. Uh, I, I think, as a Bengals fan, I, I am more or less worried of Tyler Huntley playing at this point than Lamar Jackson. Cincinnati's kind of found a scheme that is kind of stopped Lamar Jackson in the last couple of games. I know it, it's, you know, of course, the last two games, they, they got you know pretty well blown out. But, uh, you know, worst comes to worst. I mean, this was a team that was playing with Brandon Allen at quarterback last year against the Ravens. So you weren't really expecting this team to be a, a team that was going to continue with them. And they, they held Lamar Jackson in check that week, uh, even with the poor defense uh, back in, you know, I believe it was like week 15, 16 of the NFL last year. They held the Ravens in check, and, and you know a lot of people thought maybe so just, that was just a fluke. You know, Cincinnati really had nothing else, so how you know how could we just go ahead and assume that they know how to fix them or how to know how to play Lamar Jackson? And then, of course, you see uh, this this year, uh, you know, week six or seven, I believe was what it was. Uh, Cincinnati, I mean, just completely destroyed Lamar Jackson. I believe the final score was forty-one to seventeen. Uh, Lamar Jackson could barely do anything against the Bengals' offense. Had no really chances to scramble. Um, you know, wasn't had, finding a lot of success deep to his receivers. I mean, this is a team that's putting a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson and managed to get quite a few sacks due to the poor play of the offensive line. It kind of feels like the Bengals have Lamar Jackson's number. And one thing that I'm really worried about is, you know, Tyler Huntley, as similar as what he is to Lamar Jackson, he's also very different. He's a guy that's very, very poised in the pocket and is able to step up and make a throw more than Lamar Jackson is. Lamar Jackson's, I think, kind of first first go-to thing he does whenever he's in the pocket is look to – you know, look to find a, a, a way out, look to find a, a running lane to try to get out. And I think Cincinnati, Cincinnati was expecting that. You know, they get they have spies. They've got like Logan Wilson or, or Jermaine Pratt out there that is always on top of Lamar Jackson, making him uncomfortable, uh, always filling the gaps that he's trying to hit if he's trying to run the ball. Um, Tyler Huntley's a guy that really doesn't, you know, he doesn't always have to care about that. Now, he is a capable runner, and he normally likes to run to the outside whenever he faces a lot of pressure. But at the same time, if he if he's you know scheduled to throw a ball over the middle, he's going to take his check down. He's going to take whatever he can get as a guaranteed pass. And if, you know some people, some fans of the Bengals might, might remember Mike White tore us up a couple of weeks back, uh, just due to just taking every single check down he could get. It's the team that is really reliant on a team that could throw down the field or run the ball. Uh, this, you know they don't really like the teams that take the check downs, the guaranteed yards under the middle to the running back or tight end. Those are both two positions that kills are I think the most at least in the passing game this year uh when it comes to guys like George Kittle or um you know maybe even you know guys like Austin Eckler uh you know th- those those have been the guys that have killed us at this at times like that and I'd really hope to see Cincinnati try to maybe solve that take that out of the game which Huntley does play because if he's able to take, take those check downs over the middle get free yards they're going to get those easy first downs every single play and just slowly drive the ball down the field and get points. So I really think the key of this game is going to rely on that. If Cincinnati is able to continue to stop that kind of check down game, whether or whether or not Lamar Jackson plays, I think it's the biggest key because if they're not able to do that, then that's going to leave Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley to have an easier job, be able to spread out the offense, maybe hit a deep shot once or twice to go to scramble outside. They're going to have to limit those small, the small plays uh, that are checked downs to either market injuries or maybe a, um, you know, a Devontae Freeman to be able to stop them and potentially score uh, early on in the game. So I also look at the offensive side of the ball, of course, this is the, 
Ravens kind of learned last time they played the Bengals that they're not going to be able to zero blitz Joe Burrow. I think it's become abundantly obvious. Burrow is definitely a quarterback that has gotten sacked a lot of times, but this is not the team that it was last year where he was getting sacked every single play. Uh, if the Bengals are able to hold up for just two seconds on the zero blitz, Burrow's going to find someone. He's going to hit a big touchdown, which is how it happened last week or, or last time they played with Jamar Chase having over 200 yards in that game. Uh, I, I really think this is, again, another depleted Ravens secondary, um, you know, Potentially, their cornerback two, Chris Westry, might not even play this week. So they might be just relying on literally Anthony Abert and a bunch of practice squad guys to take care of this business, which is a lot to ask for considering the Bengals have three really, really good receivers right now and in, in Boyd, Higgins, and Chase. So uh, I really think as long as Burroughs is able to have time in the pocket, maybe if they're able to set up somewhat of a run game to where teams maybe fall for the play action a little bit, um, they, they, they could really find some success in the off the side of the ball too. I think this is going to be a very high scoring game, at least in my eyes. Um, I, I can see this being in the, in both in the twenties and even thirties. Uh, if you're, if you're betting for this game, I would probably bet the over my eyes. Cause I just think that this is too, this is just, I mean, the defense of the Bengals last week played really, really well against the Broncos made a very, very low scoring game. I think they're capable of doing that again, but the Ravens always kind of find a way to get their points. I don't think the Ravens offense sucks as bad as what they did last when against the Bengals. And I really think Cincinnati's offense is going to find some ways to score this week. So uh, I, I think in terms of who I would take to win, uh, I do know the Ravens are favored in the FPI index. The Bengals are favored in Vegas. So it really is just to take your best bet. I will hesitantly go with the Cincinnati Bengals to win this football game. They are the home team. I do think that this they are a lot healthier of a team right now than the Ravens. We don't know about you know, Tyler Huntley or Lamar Jackson yet. And I feel like a lot of these matchups the Bengals have kind of favor them in a way. So I will take the Bengals very hesitantly, though. I agree with you with, with what you said earlier. I think whoever wins this game makes the playoffs. Um, what do you think about the Bengals-Broncos game from last week? Because uh, that game was so gross. That Bengals Broncos game was so gross from Teddy Bridgewater going down to the Broncos, just having no way to move the ball on offense to maybe the worst one minute drill I've ever seen where they ended up fourth and 24 and Drew Locke just threw the ball out of bounds. That game was kind of disgusting, wasn't it? It was a very bad game. Uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't very fun to watch. There was a couple of key moments that that kind of happened. I, I do want to say I mean, both the Bengals and the Brown, Broncos off, uh, defense excuse me, performed really, really well. They put pressure on the quarterback. They were able to get big pass breakups. They were able to do a lot of things. And it, you know, it, it really kind of felt like until those last couple of you know, drives in the fourth quarter, it was going to be a 6-3, to 9-3 game uh, where no one was going to be able to get a touchdown, kind of like how the Saints fucking news game was. But um, you know, both teams kind of ended up driving down the field a little bit after the Teddy Bridgewater injury. Of course, we got the Drew Locke drive where he passed to him, Patrick, against Trey Waynes, who's been Still one of the worst signings I think I've ever seen in, in, in NFL history. Trey Wayne's signing a big deal to the Bengals. He just is not good at, good at football. Uh, but uh, the moment that touchdown was scored, Joe Burrow and the Bengals turned it right back around and got a big pass to Tyler Boyd and, and scored a, well, I believe it was a 60-yard touchdown. So, I mean, this, is, this was a team, a, a game that we saw both teams kind of rely on the run. And no team was really moving the ball at a high level. The Bengals were good at stopping the run. The Broncos were good at stopping the run. Um, neither team was able to really get an inch on the opponent, but the Bengals just always seem to be a step ahead. Uh, I kind of started really, I think the, the biggest key point of the game is in the second quarter. At the end of the second quarter, the Broncos kind of make a really slow, tedious drive um, that kind of resulted in a, you know, a last minute 50 or, a, you know, I think it was like, I believe 30 seconds left on the clock, a 53 yard field goal that they miss. So the Bengals have like, 20, 25 seconds to be able to go to the opposite side of the field. Joe Burba completes a big 25-yard pass to Tyler Boyd, and then Evan McPherson drains a 58-yard field goal. 
I mean, I think that was really the key turning point in that game. It just kind of felt like after that point, the Bengals were always just a step ahead. Whatever the Broncos did, the Bengals kind of just did a little bit better at that point. It kind of became a defensive slugfest where the Cincinnati just kind of grinded out for the win. And, you know, I, I do think, though it was ugly, I do think for Bengals uh, – for the Bengals and for Bengals fans, it was very, very promising of the game because I really think this kind of showed the Bengals are able to win on both sides of the field, whether it is on the offense being a high, you know, powered scoring offense or whether it's a a, a stopping defense that can just contain any team that they want. Uh, I do think it is really, really possible that we are kind of seeing um, both sides of Cincinnati uh, grow uh, exp- exponentially. This has been their, I would argue, one of the best defenses they've had since the Marvin Lewis era of of games at least with Cincinnati and this offense is still an offense that is growing and it has some struggles of course only scoring 15 points this, this week but is still a team that is certainly capable of putting up points they put up 41 against the freaking Ravens for God's sake I mean this is a team that could score and I, I do really think that it is promising to see the Bengals are being are able to have success in both ways because if they're in the playoffs and both those both those uh, you know sides of the offense and defense are clicking at once. This is a team that can be dangerous. This can be a dangerous playoff team if they're able to put up 38, 35 points and hold their hold their opponents to an average of twenty. I mean, this is this is a dangerous team that I can definitely see causing some problems. Um, I will be going to the Chiefs Bengals game uh, in two weeks, so I'm really really excited to go watch that game. I think it's going to tell me a lot about where I think the Bengals are in terms of. You know, this this week's going to determine, I think, whether or not they're able to win the division or not. Next week's going to be able to determine whether or not I think they can hang with the top of the AFC. And that is going to really, really excite me to see how well they're able to perform there. What do you think about the Chiefs at this point? Because uh, we we recorded last time, this uh, last Thursday, and I had talked about how I assumed that the Kansas City Chiefs would have already beaten the Los Angeles Chargers by two touchdowns. And good Lord, that game was the game of the year in the NFL. And it's like a week has passed now and it feels like the world's kind of falling apart. And that game was so crazy and it told it told me a lot about the Chiefs maybe more than it did for you but it was so fascinating to watch that game and to see that me feel reaffirmed that the Chiefs are still going to run the AFC West and probably still the favorites to make the Super Bowl yeah I mean that was that was a big game uh and, and people don't understand how tough of a game that was I think you can make a really good argument that that was probably the Chiefs hardest remaining game of the year at this point and and you know they, they bet not they the Bengals I mean, you're not saying I, the Bengals I mean the Chargers beat the Bengals it's just straight up at, in Cincinnati so I do think you can argue especially considering it's a rivalry game I mean this is a game the Chargers are always focusing on uh I think you could argue that that was their toughest remaining game of, of this season and they were able to sneak it out and win so there's a very good chance they can run the table after this it would not shock me at all if they do uh I do know they play a couple AFC team AFC North teams uh, I think it's the Bengals um Bengals, Steelers, uh, and they play week 18. I think it's like one of their divisional opponents. Um, they play the Broncos. So, yeah, Bengals, Steelers, Broncos. I think the Chargers are probably the best team out of that group, at least in my eyes right now. The Bengals, maybe you could argue it. We'll see how they do uh, that week. I think they're the only team I could really see being the Chiefs out of that group. But, um, you know, I, I do really think that was the Chiefs' toughest remaining game. And I, and I think what, what I saw from – they're, you know, they're off the scheme. What I saw from their offense and everything they did that week. I mean, they were able to, I mean, I, I'm not going to praise their defense, but they were able to hold the Chiefs to enough to where they weren't going to score at an elite level. You know, Justin Herbert didn't really have that great of a game. I believe he only had like 200 
30 yards, something like that passing. Uh, I know we had an interception that game. It wasn't the best game for their offense. And at the same time, you know, you also look at how how well Mahomes and and, and this and this entire offense played. I mean, aside from the the I believe the one interception he had, um, you know, Travis Kelsey dominated this game just from beginning to end. I believe he had like 10, 11 receptions. Uh, I know he had like 200 yards receiving. I mean, it was an unreal game for Travis Kelsey, how well he played that week and really just able to kind of do the same as what the Bengals did just to a greater scale. Anything you can do, I can do better. Uh, you know, if the, the Chargers scored a touchdown, the, the Patriots or the Chiefs came right back and scored. The uh, Chargers were able to uh, at least at least send it to overtime. But, you know, if Mahomes has the ball in overtime, it's it's, it's already game over and you weren't going to win it. So I was really, really impressed with how the, the, each team played. Uh, I kind of felt like every single time Kansas City or L.A. had a lead, the other team came right back and scored and, and tied it up or took the lead back. And it was it was really, really fun to watch an enjoyable game. But, I mean, it, it just tells me like this, the, the old Chiefs had this game every single year where it was one of these high powered, fun offensive games that we just kind of saw both teams just continue to, to try to outdo each other. Uh, we saw it a couple of years ago, of course, with the Chiefs Rams and the we, we, we see it, like I said, every year uh, where, where they have one of these games. And this was the game this year, in my opinion. And it was a very, very promising game to have because the Chiefs always seem to somehow pull this one off. And it is it is really, really cool to see. And it kind of tells me that, you know, I mean, this is this is what I would argue is the best wild card team right now in the AFC. If they're better than all the wild card teams, um, you know, they, they, they could potentially be better than all of, of course, the divisional winners as well. Uh, this, is, this should be, again, the favorite of the AFC. New sponsor alert here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is Lightbox Jewelry. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, Lightbox Jewelry has cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds that you can find at a light price of just $800 per carat. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Priced so they won't have to. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. I just, now we have Terry Hill and Kelsey also in the COVID protocol, which changes the math on all of this stuff. But what I find interesting from Kansas City's point of view is, I think we talked about this before. We were talking about Andy Reid and Andy Reid is the greatest offensive coach in the history of the NFL. And, you know, people talk about Bill Walsh all the time and people from before were alive. But Andy Reid's done this now across 20 years with different offenses. And one of the things I find most interesting is they've built around Patrick Mahomes and still been able to to move the ball as effectively as they need to, to win football games, which I find super fascinating uh, for the past like seven weeks. Cause they haven't lost since October 24th. And as of the time people are listening to this, that's a full two months ago. And they've done it while Mahomes has been like, I mean, he's technically in the MVP race, but it just feels like, cause we have to add someone to the MVP race that he's in there. But Kansas City's done it while not looking totally overwhelming, and yet they're still totally overwhelming. And now they all have COVID, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it doesn't help. Uh, COVID can definitely play a factor in this. And, and if, if Kelsey and Tyree Kill are out next week, then we have a conversation with the Bengals. I mean, I, I think that changes a lot of things. Um, I don't see Cincinnati being a big-time contender with Kelsey and Hill active. Uh, during game time, I'm hoping that the game's at least close. We will see. Uh, but I do know this is 
a Bengals offense that is wildly inconsistent. This is a defense that can only do so much, and this is the best offense in the NFL in the Chiefs. So you're asking a lot for the Bengals to try to stop them or at least give their offense a chance to maybe score a couple of points back. So it will be a pretty tough game for Sunday to win that one. But I do think if you know if you take away Tamal Holmes for top two targets. Uh, you know, h- how is he going to respond? How is he going to look towards who he's – how is he going to answer? Uh, that really intrigues me. I don't know who the top dog would be at that point. You can argue maybe a Miko Hardman, maybe look towards a Byron, Byron Pringle. I don't know. It's it's tough because there really isn't many targets outside of Kelsey and Hill on this team at all. So that, that does start to, you know, beg a couple of questions about, you know, how this Chiefs team is. Is it, is it really just Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey and everyone everyone else are just nobodies? Or is it is it – a potentially a balanced team that we just kind of see that they rely on the two stars. So in the case of the Bengals going up against the chiefs, I know this is down the road and we'll have a chance to talk about this more and the Bengals may or may not be in the playoffs at this point, but what do you think is going to be the case for the Cincinnati Bengals against the chiefs? Cause the chiefs defense has gone from allowing like 27 points a game to 11 points a game. And I guess we can also apply this to the Steelers, but the Steelers just also can't move the football at all. So what do you think of that whole situation going into the last couple weeks of the season? Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be a really tough game for Cincinnati because this is a chiefs team that's finally, uh, kind of found the defensive identity and has been able to actually put up a bit of a pass rush now. And I think it's been the biggest key and what they found a lot of success in uh, Cincinnati's uh, offensive line has been somewhat depleted. They've they just lost uh, starting right tackle Riley reef for the season. Uh, they're, they're, they have a couple of other players that aren't entirely healthy on that offensive line. Of course, COVID's kind of put a wrench in some people's plans. Um, but at, at the same time, I mean, this is, this is a, an offensive line that is capable of blocking. They just haven't been able to, be totally successful in that. So uh, I think what I look at, at least on the offensive side of the Bengals, because the defense side of the Chiefs is seeing whether or not the Bengals offensive line can let Joe Burrow have time in the pocket. Because I do think if Burrow has time in the pocket, he can pick apart a defense no matter how good they are. It really is just how how he's been and how good he can be. If he has time in the pocket, he can be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I, I do really think it's going to be tough for the Chiefs uh, secondary to keep up with players like that when it comes to uh, Boyd, Uzama, Higgins, Chase. I mean, they're gonna have they're gonna have one or two of those guys locked down probably, but can they lock all of them down at once? I don't know. Um, you know, are they able to stop Joe Mixon in the running game? Joe Mixon's second in the league in rushing yards. People really don't see that, and he's had a really, really good season underground that no one's really talked about. He can be another really dangerous asset to Cincinnati um, because if the Chiefs are you know, maybe stopping their, their pass. The Bengals can go out and literally run every single play and drive down the field and score a touchdown. They've had a couple of games like that this year where it's just been a mixed show. Um, they're going to they're gonna need to find a way to both stop the run and the pass. As for the Bengals on defense, you know, you got to do anything you can to have the secondary lock down the, the passing attack of the Chiefs. I think it's, it's come, become a bundling obviously. Cincinnati has been a very, very good uh, run stopping team. I don't think the Chiefs are going to go into this game trying to, you know, set the, you know, set the run or or really become a dangerous running team. All of a sudden, this is the this is the Chiefs team. Chiefs team is going to do what they do best, and that is hit deep and, and win deep. And Cincinnati and Jesse Bates in particular, the free safety, are going to have to really, really focus on not letting Tyree Kill beat you deep, not letting Travis Kelsey beat you over the middle. You got to find a way to absolutely lug down both of those areas. So really, towards the safety, Von Bell, J.C. Bates, even the corners, Eli Apple, Shidabe Awuje, Trey Waynes, uh, that entire crew. They they're going to need to lock down those those two players in specific, of course, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. If they play, have a chance to win this game. Um, 
I think you're asking a lot for anyone to do that, honestly. Travis Kelsey is just an absolute cheat code. I don't know who's going to be able to guard him from the Bengals. Uh, I also don't know who's going to be able to guard Tyree Kill. Those are both, I think, two of the most unguardable players in the NFL, and they're both in the same football team. So, like I said, you're asking a lot for the Bengals defense to do that. They're going to score a lot of points to have a chance to win. Uh, I think this game could be relatively close. Uh, I, I don't think it could be a, I don't think it might necessarily be a blowout, but I don't see us having a chance to win. I'm putting a score on, I'm going to say like 34 21. 34 21. Dang, I like that. You're you're already making picks for a game two weeks into the future. I, I like the I like the gall on the analysis for you. Uh, you're gonna make well, picks that far into the future. Yeah, it, I mean things can certainly change. It depends on how everyone, you know, how healthy everyone is. But I mean, I, I just it's gonna be tough Cincinnati to win this football game. I just think uh, you know, that's that's becoming abundantly obvious each week. You know, I mean it's not it's not a game they're expected to win by any means. And this is a, a very, very tough game to win and by <laughs> all means. So uh, it, it's just tough. It's just really tough. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's, it's going to be a weird little ride here for them as we get closer to the end of the season. Um, we, we talk, we've been doing these podcasts for what, like close to going on three years now is kind of around the start of COVID like February of 2020. And now we have real actual Bengals analysis to do. And I find that to be quite fascinating. <laughs> yes, uh, it, it really is. Uh, it's, it's so exciting to be able to do that. I, uh, it's really, I mean, I, I, it's kind of surreal, honestly, to see how the Bengals have been playing lately. I don't, I don't think any of us expected this. I, I know um, we did a, a podcast, my Bengals uh, podcast, predicting the Bengals season. And we actually predicted the Bengals go nine and eight. And afterwards, I was like, I don't know how we predicted this to happen. Basically, it was like majority rules. And a lot of times it was two to three. So like one of us would say we lose, the other one would say we would we win. And all of a sudden, we had a couple of games where, you know, I didn't think we'd win. We ended up winning. Um, we had us going nine and eight. And I can't believe we actually predicted that. I just felt really weird. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a joke about it the entire time. Uh, like, oh, we're, we're not going to, this isn't, this isn't going to happen. Right. And here we are now, you know, eight and six potentially can go 10, nine wins, potentially, you know, and that is just really, really cool and exciting <laughs> to, uh, to see. But I mean, anything could happen. I'm not too sure if, if Cincinnati is going to win out, they're going to lose out. If they're going to go one and two, two and one, I don't know, but I, I do really think they are a very fun team to keep track of and pay attention to. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, earlier this week, I went back and started revisiting the podcast we did where we did our season preview we can make fun of in December. And uh, I only made it through a little part of it. So I only got some of our picks from the start of the year, but some of them were quite interesting, I will say. So the big ones that I found was both of us agreeing the Kansas City Chiefs were overwhelmingly the best team in the AFC. No question about it. And the only team that had a chance of catching them was... The Buffalo Bills, yeah. according to both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's crazy for me to say that I still think that even now. <laughs> like, I just don't yeah, see the other But now Belichick teams. is here. Yeah, uh, that is true. Uh, I think Bill Belichick's, you know, kind of, I don't think any of us expected the Patriots to be as good as what they were. And I also think, um, you know, uh, I also think maybe you could argue that the uh, we kind of see teams like the Titans, despite their injuries, still being a lot better than what I thought we probably thought originally they would be. But at the same time, I mean, I, I look at uh, I look at this, this entire just um, entire group of uh, of AFC North teams at the top and or AFC teams at the top, and it, it still kind of does feel like to me that the Chiefs are that 
that top dog still, I think pretty clearly. I mean, I don't know if it's by far, like we said, but I do think it is, you know, pretty clearly still the Chiefs and everybody else. Yeah. And the next thing we had was uh, you saying the Panthers would be eight and nine at the start of the season, which is less likely now, but still a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I guess it's not terrible. I think I expected a lot more from Joe Brady in the offense. I didn't expect Joe Brady to be fired halfway through the season. Uh, <laughs> that that was, I guess, kind of surprising to me. Um, and also, I mean, I, I think, you know, with Sam Donald being injured, a lot of things kind of changed there. They rely on Cam Newton uh, to kind of take reins of the team. And uh, that was kind of, uh, you know, surprising to see, I guess, in a way. But I, I definitely do still think this is a, uh, you know, it, it's a mediocre team. I, I see now when you're looking at 6-11, and 7-10. Uh, potentially for this squad and this is a team next year that I think could be one of the favorites to make maybe one of those later wild card spots so the other one we had was the Saints at eight and nine which is still very much in the realm of possibility so I do have to say we hit that one straight on I know we made some other picks in there but uh, those are the ones that I know we had for sure was the Saints at eight and nine Panthers eight and nine and Buffalo trying to catch the Chiefs yeah I mean, those didn't age terribly, but I mean, I, you know, there, there are some iffy parts, I guess, to those, but I mean, I, d- I definitely think this is still open to being really, really wrong or really, really right. You know, it, it's possible that anything could happen with maybe the Carolina Panthers somehow roll these next couple of weeks and all of a sudden become the seventh seed. <laughs> maybe the Saints start to roll and become the seventh seed. I don't know, but, um, you know, of course, that's something that we'll start to wait and see, I guess. So on the other side, uh, we also, I believe I, we did one for the Falcons, but I can't, I haven't gone far enough into the podcast to see what it ended up being. Cause I know we were trying to figure out like the hodgepodge of teams in the NFC. And it was really, really interesting to see, uh, how it was really interesting to see how it worked out for, the uh for figuring out that because it is a bottomless pit of hell in the nfc this year with i think we had chicago up there and uh minnesota being in the middle of the pack and the saints and the falcons and the panthers even though the falcons and panthers aren't actually that good we've made all the falcons jokes but we were kind of right about the middle of the nfc just being an absolute like dumpster fire and then having like five good teams in the nfc even if you know we don't know what to do with the cardinals anymore they're still going to be a playoff team Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it really did. I, I, I believe he said something along the lines that it was going to be uh, kind of the opposite of what it had been in the past and it being like the top guys, the top guys and everyone else is kind of everyone else. And I think we're kind of right on that, actually. We kind of hit on that a lot more. Um, I think we all kind of widely agreed the AFC was more of the balanced conference than the NFC. So I think I think that part, again, we'll have to go back and listen to it, of course. I think we got that part down to a T, at least seeing, you know, how close AFC is and how far apart kind of physically like top dogs are to the bottom tier of the NFC. Uh, it does kind of feel like that was, that was absolutely correct. So um, I, I do think that this is still a, um, you know, I, I think there are still solid teams potentially in the NFC. There's still uh, teams that we still have to wait and see if they're actually legit or not in the AFC, but you're going to feel like that part of it was, was, was fairly right in us saying that, you know, the Packers, the Rams, the, we did say the Seahawks were part of that group, but the Cowboys, those teams kind of felt like they were separated from the rest of the NFC. 
Yeah, and we kind of got it, even though we didn't think the Cardinals would actually be good. I guess I'll just right. ask, what do you do with the Cardinals? Because i kind of been like tapping on it right now. What do you do with Arizona at this point? Because they're <laughs> not the same team they were at the start of the year. It's very difficult to figure it out. What do you do with them at this point? They have literally became the same team over and over. They're, they are not changing. We're not seeing a change in them. And I, I hate to say this, but I think the first thing you have to look towards doing is potentially firing Cliff Kingsbury in the future. This just feels like a team that is just – not well coached they're just not i mean i i don't i, I people I, I heard i was listening to a radio show people were starting to question whether or not Kyler murray's starting caliber quarterback that's not in question here Kyler murray is a starting quarterback in the nfl he's a fantastic quarterback in the nfl this is just play calling and how poorly they've been you know underperforming despite the talent on their roster it really is eye-opening to see you know how poorly i guess this team is being ran and, and, I, and I really really think um, we, we see this over and over again. We, we see them rolling at the beginning of the season. Kyler Murray gets hurt. They have no clue how to answer or snap back. Kyler Murray starts to go back to, you know, a, a mediocre form of himself somehow. And all of a sudden, they start losing football games again. I mean, they lost to the Lions. And, I mean, it really wasn't a close game either. They The Lions completely outplayed them. It, it looked like this was a battle of the Houston Texans and Jacksonville Jaguars week one uh, of this season, uh, this year. I mean, it was that, was, it was that bad. I, I really didn't see any team – impressed me by any means it just kind of felt like everyone was you know it it just kind of felt like one team was worse than the other in that case and that's exactly how this game was as well it just kind of felt like the the Cardinals were just worse than the Lions and that's shocking to say considering how well they started this season off and I I really answered the question whether or not this is a team that maybe maybe needs to look to kind of retool a little bit not not rebuild of course but maybe retool uh, when it comes to the front office and a couple of these players they have um, it, it does kind of abundantly feel like this is a very, very poor secondary that's going to cost them a lot of games. Uh, they need to find a consistent form of offense, maybe a consistent running game, even though we have been seeing, um, you know, uh, of course, um, uh, James Conner had a successful season. I do think there's still question marks to that. So, uh, you know, it, it's uh, a lot of question marks right now uh, with this team. And it really is just kind of thing where you just sit and wait and see uh, what happens. But I, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't have questions behind what was with you know how good they are or what they're going to do because uh, I, I really just don't know this is a mediocre team and I, i'm kind of worried about it yeah and I, I i don't know if i'd go that far because the kingsbury thing is interesting um obviously what we had in the past was people talking about whether this was a make or break year and then the cardinals got off to a super hot start and everyone's like well obviously cliff's going to be back and then everything just kind of everything kind of sat that way for a while where we're like, okay, now we know Cliff's going to be here. And then the, his agent leveraged Oklahoma and do we like, we don't know how healthy or not healthy Kyler Murray is, but I was interested to see you go all the way to like retooling the front office around Kyler Murray after he gets the giant contract extension this off season. Um, Yeah. It it just, it just feels like they're running the same exact thing uh, over and over again. And, you know, maybe it is a little extreme. I'm not going to deny that, but I I definitely think that this is, I mean, this is a football team that we are seeing continually running over themselves at the end. You know, they they start out so quick out the gates and then slowly and slowly just keep slowing down, tumbling over, falling apart. And other teams just start passing now, you know, you know, quick starts are great. Don't get me wrong. I think quick starts are absolutely, you know, key to success in the NFL and it's, they're going to win that they're going to still going to probably going to be one of the highest seasons in the playoffs because of that. But do I think they can win the first down of the playoffs? I actually have questions whether or not they could or not. So there is a lot of question marks between 
is this team capable of, of winning a, a Super Bowl, let alone a playoff game right now? And if they lose first round in the playoffs, that, at that point, you have to start considering potential, uh, you know, front office change or something like that. But, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more extreme than what the front office is going to be because the front office is on a risk having to reset at coaching if they, if they don't need to. So I highly, highly doubt Cliff Kingsbury leaves the season. But if I'm looking at the Cardinals and where they're at right now, do I trust them to be any better next year with Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach? I don't think so because this is this is one of the most talented rosters in the NFL top to bottom. This is a team that should be dominating the Lions, and they just got beat straight up. They did, and it was like a whomping on their part because Detroit dominated from start to finish. Jared Goff had like the fifth highest passer rating of the entire day last weekend. Like the the part that stinks is that I said that the Falcons would lose to the Lions this week, and I'm betting the Lions plus five and a half, lock it in for our picks of the week. But then the Lions went out and beat the Cardinals, and now it's trendy to pick the Lions against the Falcons. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I honestly it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happens. But I mean, I, I'm I, I don't think everyone should start of all of a sudden praising the Lions. It just kind of felt like it was more or less of just how poorly the, uh, you know, how, how poorly um, uh, the, the Cardinals played as a whole. And that, that, that was really concerning to see. Yeah. And it was really weird how that all worked out for them, but you know, it ended up being okay. Um, what do you do with the Cardinals in their first round matchup? What do you do with them against, say, the Rams or the Cowboys? Because we can kind of start looking forward to that at this point. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'll am i probably pick whatever team plays against the Cardinals right now, just based on what I've seen, because it just kind of feels like, to me, they are not in that level of talent compared to those other teams right now. I feel like the Rams feel like the better team. The, the Cowboys feel like the better team. I just don't know if I can trust the Cardinals to win any of those games. But it really just does depend on who they play, of course. If they end up playing a team like the um, – the Vikings or the 49ers, then we could talk about them potentially, you know, winning, uh, winning the first playoff game. But um, I definitely think there's a lot of question marks. If, if you're going to trust the Cardinals to run the distance right now, I would definitely look, you know, look at, and, and make sure you absolutely believe that before you actually start to say that, because this is a team that has a lot of, a lot of question marks that people should be concerned about right now. And I, I do think that, again, this is a team that has some question marks in coaching, has some question marks just all around the board. And, until we're able to see them succeed in the playoffs. I don't know if those questions are ever going to start being quieter, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of the weird part about thinking the Cardinals weren't going to be good to start the season. And then they do end up being good. It's, it's really interesting how that's worked out. Um, What do you think, I guess we're kind of going through all the teams at this point. So what do you do with the Packers at this point? Because the Packers play the Browns this week. We'll ask you about that a little bit once we do our pick them. But what do you do with them going into this crazy, crazy week (laughs) with them probably being the one seed in the NFC? Are they, who are like, who are your teams that you feel the most confident in other than the, I guess the Chiefs, maybe, (laughs) I guess we said earlier, it's like Chiefs yeah. kind of, and then everyone else is kind of in the middle. Well, I mean, this is a perfect, I guess, uh, uh, a perfect segue because the Packers are that team that I trust more than anyone else right now. Uh, actually, I, w- I wouldn't just say with counting the Chiefs, or not counting the Chiefs, I would say in the NFL, I think this is the hottest, most reliable team in the NFL right now. I think, you know, the, the Chiefs and the Rams are the next greatest, but in my eyes, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been balling out this year. They just got back three of their star players, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, and Darius Smith. 
if this if this team can continue to stay healthy and have all their weapons, this is the best team in the NFL right now. I am willing to say that, and I think that this is a. I, I think right now the Packers are my favorite to win the division or win the the Super Bowl. If you ask me, um, I, I I am a big fan of what they've they've done and how they've set up their offense, what they've been doing all around. I just like this is a good football team that is playing together, and it just kind of feels poetic. This is Aaron Rodgers' last quote unquote season, uh, you know, uh, uh, with the, with the Packers, uh, with the, uh, yeah, Packers, of course. So, uh, it just, it just kind of feels poetic. This is happening right now. And I feel like we're going to see the Packers kind of run the table here, maybe and win the, and win the uh, Super Bowl uh, and let Aaron Rodgers leave. And let Aaron Rodgers leave even after winning or getting to the Super Bowl. They're still going to let Aaron Rodgers leave at this point because they can technically just tell Aaron Rodgers to back off. I think it's just a done deal. It just kind of feels like to me, Aaron Rodgers just doesn't want to be back. I don't know. Like it's, I mean, they've been marketing it as Aaron Rodgers last season. It feels like Aaron Rodgers last season. Packers have increased their ticket prices to a lot more money. We're seeing Packers go to every game to watch Aaron Rodgers finish his career out uh, or finish his, uh, you know, Packers career out at least. It just kind of feels like no matter what happens this year, it's going to be the end of Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers. But certainly anything's possible. But I still, I still think, you know, uh, going back to the original point, I, I do think this is – their this is their playoffs this is their Super Bowl to lose I think right now in my opinion yeah I think you're eh. I still take Kansas City though I still take Kansas City though (laughs) yeah no it it is bold I I just think you look at you know you look at the defense side of the ball I think the Green Bay Packers have an edge on Kansas City Um, you know you could certainly argue Kansas City has a you know a greater high-powered offense but I do think the Packers have a better running game I think they have you know, you, you could really argue between all those three guys, but you, you could argue that Devontae Adams is the best receiver out of that group. You can just argue that this might be, just be a, a better football team right now, but there's certainly an argument to both sides. And I, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to, you know, say that they are or not um, guaranteed to, to, to win it all. Cause I, I don't know, but I do think it's a team that is certainly capable of winning it all. And they look like uh, as long as they can continue to roll, um, this is a team that is to be reckoned with. This is, and it's kind of interesting how it works out uh, for them because the, the the Kansas City Chiefs are, I don't know, like just kind of the, the Kansas City Chiefs are my team. I believe in them. And then the Packers come in. Devondre Campbell gets healthy. They get the, the apparently they've been pretty good at stopping the run this year. I was kind of wrong about that. So uh, I guess it's going to kind of work out weird for them in the meantime. But uh in the in the meantime, on the other side, um, what do you do with the fact that uh, all of the well, what's a good question here? I've ran out of questions at this point. I'm not ready to go to picks, so I guess I'll just throw it to you. What do you have else interesting about this upcoming week before Christmas in the NFL? Because honestly, <laughs> I ran out of questions to give you. Yeah, um, you know, w- w- I, I do kind of want to say this is this is a, a week where I think we're gonna you know, kind of figure out, I think, who is the true contenders and who is the pretenders of the AFC. And I, I don't want to circle back around and talk about those again, but I, I do think, you know, we, we see Browns-Packers is a very big key game. 49ers-Titans is a big key game. Colts-Cardinals, a huge game. Ravens-Bengals, a huge game. Rams-Vikings, another huge game. Bills-Patriots. This year, we, we're going to see a lot of these, you know, bridge teams, playoff teams, teams that are okay, good. They're all playing each other this week. This is going to be a great week of football where we're going to see a lot of a lot of solid teams playing against each other right now. And I am, 
I, I do really, really think we're going to see a lot of who is legit, who is not good. Because if the, the Browns upset the Packers, if we see the, you know, uh, maybe the Vikings upset the Rams, if we see the Colts upset the Cardinals, if we see, um, you know, the 49ers upset the Titans, I mean, that, that, that could be a golden ticket to making it to the playoffs uh, with it, for any of those teams. Steelers-Chiefs, another big game. If the Steelers beat the Chiefs, we have all of a sudden a conversation with the Steelers making the playoffs after everything that's happened this year. Um, I mean, it, it is it is a very, very big key week of games right now, and any of those upsets that can happen can really boost any of those teams' potential playoff chances uh, this year if they're able to somehow pull it off. Uh, we have breaking news in here that uh... – because of the COVID protocols, we have Ian Book starting on Monday night for the New Orleans Saints against the Miami Dolphins. After I just picked the Saints to win yesterday, we now have Ian Book starting at quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. You know, as crazy as it sounds, how much does that change anything for the Saints and what they do? I mean, Taysom hasn't been that bad, has he? Well, we don't know how good or bad Taysom Ian Book even is. I mean, Taysom Hill hasn't been terrible by any means, no. But, I mean, is 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 he really that much more of a difference maker than what Ian Book could be? I don't know. I think you can maybe argue maybe Ian Book's not like – I mean, Ian Book's not a good quarterback. I, we haven't seen Ian Book play, of course. We can't really assume anything right now. But, I mean, I don't think Ian Book's a – terrible quarterback and i mean well, i guess we'll just have to see how it works out because i'm not too sure I, I really don't know uh but i i think it's i think you can make an argument that this is going to be the exact same ravens team despite uh the question marks behind uh ian book and what happens here because they're still going to have the identity on offense they're still going to rely on the running game you know th- those 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 things are going to stay the same uh right now and, and i think that's that's the big that, that's normally why I look towards I me. Mean, I, I think right now Alvin Kamara is more valuable than any quarterback on their roster, which is crazy to say, but at the same time, I think it's absolutely true. I don't see how it couldn't be right now. So I, I don't know. It, it, I could see a case be made for anything or, or anyone right now in terms of, um, uh, you know, how valuable they are to, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Hold on. Uh, I, I just think right now Alvin Kamara is, the guy that they're going to have to look towards and, and rely on to win any football game right now. And as long as he's still there, I feel like a, a realistic shot to have a chance to win it. All right. Do we want to do picks now? I know you got stuff coming up this afternoon. Do you want to roll into our pick them? Yeah, we can do it. All righty. Let's get it going. Uh, where do we start off here? Where do we start off? By the way, just last week was a blood week for you and for our buddy, Walter Mitchell. Uh, this was, not a not a great week for them yeah. uh, or for you and him because I think you guys ended up like zero and four and then you got a win on the Monday game with the Rams so I think it was like a one and four week for you and then I ended up with a four and one week so now I am sitting in first place by one game over you wow. and then Walter is two games under five hundred so he's got a he's got a little clawing back to do but. Uh, right now, I have overtaken first with three weeks to go, 15 games left, and I am up one right now. So the first game that I will throw at you right now is the Colts at the Cardinals Saturday night. Pick them. Pick the winner. Colts and Cardinals. Oh, my gosh. This is tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think everyone would pick the Cardinals based off of you know this, this season, but Man, it just doesn't feel like the, the Cardinals are, you know, legit at this point. Um, it, this is a really tough game because, of course, no DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals. They have been really, really poor lately. 
Um, they are the home team, and I really think had they not been the home team, I would have picked the Colts. I'm going to go back on what I said earlier and pick the Cardinals to win this game because I think this is – after what we saw last week, there is no chance to come back this week just as bad as they were last week. I just don't see that happening. I think they can somewhat bounce back and have a chance of winning uh, a couple of games now that they've had this this game. Uh, I, I'm not going to count them out completely yet. Uh, I, I do think this is still a team that is capable of winning football games against solid teams right now. And the Colts are still a team that has some question marks in my eyes as well. I think the Cardinals match up pretty solid against them. I think they can they can win deep. They can let Kyler Murray, uh, you know, get get the ball to Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, AJ Green. They can find success with those guys. Uh, I do think they can win this game, and of course, covers into the pickup. All righty, rolling with the Cardinals. I like it, even without DeAndre Hopkins and all of them. Like the like the pick on that one. Uh, Rams are at the Vikings, and the Rams are three point favorites. Ooh, uh, okay. Um, I, I'm going to pick the Rams to uh, win and cover here as well. Uh, I, I do think this is, again, a, another tough game, I think, to, to bet on one way or another because I think this is a Vikings team that needs a win and they can certainly get one here. Uh, but at the same time, I just feel like the Rams are obviously the better team right now, and I think that they can do enough to be able to stop uh, the offense of, of the uh, of the Vikings uh we, we kind of saw the, the offense have some struggles here and there uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I do think it, it is a question whether or not they're able to sustain uh, points on the board against the Rams. And I think you're asking a lot of the, uh, you know, you're asking a lot from the, um, the, uh, the Vikings to be able to stay toe to toe with a team like the Rams as talented as they are. So uh, I, I will pick the, the Rams to win and cover here in this game. Despite, I do think it is a chance that we have a Vikings keep this game somewhat close. Um, I'll, I'll still go with my gut here and, and pick the Rams. Giants at the Eagles. Eagles are 10 point favorites. Oh, 10 points a lot. Wow. Yeah, um, it is a lot. I guess it's no, no Daniel Jones. That's, that's probably why. Right. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, and the fact that the giants are just bad, <laughs> <laughs> right. Not like the Eagles are uh, great though. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I'll pick the Eagles, uh, twin and cover, I guess. Uh, cause I just don't trust Mike Glennon or, uh, might be Jake Fromm this week. Actually. I'm not too sure. Um, uh, <laughs> that's right. I found out Jake Fromm was their third string quarterback this last week. It was kind of funny. Yeah, uh, I would assume it's one of those those guys that are there, and I think that the uh, whoever whoever that is is just not good enough. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll stick with my gut here. I'll take the Eagles to win and cover, despite the uh, surprisingly I think big uh, big spread that they have in this game. Uh, I didn't think it'd be that not big of a uh, a difference, but uh, regardless, I think uh, yeah, I still think they have to be the favorite here in terms of um, in terms of. Uh, you know, talent and, uh, you know, the fact that this is just the Eagles are definitely in the playoffs right now. They're looking to be the playoffs, at least. It's a lot more important of a game to the Eagles when it is the Giants. Giants kind of thought they're rebuilding right now. They're still trying to find their identity. So I'll, I'll stick with the safe vote here and just go Eagles. Chiefs are Steelers at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are eight-point favorites. I don't know how the Steelers are here over 500 yet again. <laughs> How is this happening? Like, I don't understand how Mike Tomlin does this. It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, no, no matter what happens, they always kind of find a way just to stay in there, stay in and win games and, and, and just become average enough to, you know, somehow still be over 500 or at 500 in a way. I, I don't get it. I don't know how it's happening. 
I think it stops here. I don't think they can win this game. I, I'm going to pick the, the the Chiefs to win in cover because I, I just don't think the Steelers are a good football team. They're just not. I, I don't. Any nothing I've seen from the Steelers suggests to me that they are a good football team. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win in cover. This can be a big blowout game. This could be a big blowout game, but it is also the Steelers, and the Steelers are notorious for scoring few points and holding their opponents to few points. It seems to be how the Steelers have gotten to seven, six, and one. Last right. but not least, we have to do it every year when it's a chance. The Lions at the Falcons. <laughs> of course, we have to play this game every year whenever the Lions play the Falcons because our rule used to be you can't bet the Lions and you can't bet the Falcons. We would never do it ever. But when they play each other, we're all required to pick that game. So Detroit is at Atlanta. Atlanta is a six-point favorite. This is tough because based off of what we saw last week, everyone would probably pick the Lions from what they've done, of course. It's kind of feels like a team that's starting to, you know, somewhat, quote-unquote, hit their stride and, and find a way to win football games. Um, I'm not going to invest too much into that. Uh, I think both of these teams are bad, but I think the Falcons are less bad than the Lions right now, and that's kind of actually surprising for me to even say because I had a lot of faith in the Lions uh, uh, this uh, season, I think a little bit more than what everyone else did, at least. Um, but I do think this is going to be the Falcons game. Uh, I do think they're going to win. I'm going to pick the Falcons to cover here as well because I think it's just the safest vote at the moment. Um, but I could be surprised with a with a, uh, a potential Lions upset here. But I'm going to I'm going to stick to my guns and go with the safer bet here. I think right now, and that will be the, the Falcons to win a cup. Well, I am against you because I got the Lions. I got the Lions to win outright, so I'll take the points on the Lions for this one. Even though the Lions have not been great this year, I thought they would beat the Falcons the week before, like I said, and I am rolling with it again. By the way, what do you make of the Jaguars taking over the number one pick, Mr. NFL Draft Guy? What 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 do you make of the entire landscape of the top picks getting moved around in the last week? Yeah, yeah. Uh... I mean, the more it changes, the more it stays the same. It kind of feels like to me, they're still going to get one of these top edge rushers, regardless if they finish first or second in the NFL draft order. But, um, you know, for them, at least they're, they're going to have the the um, the chance to choose which one they want, you know. And I think that that, that is a, a good key, to, uh, a good extra bonus for them, I guess, somewhat. They can get Kayvon Thibodeau or someone like that in the NFL draft this year. And I think that can really, really help them, honestly. I, I do think that this is a, a, a team that is still – trying to find themselves obviously i think we're, we're, we're continuing to see that right now and and if they're able to if they're able to get a, a pretty solid player that can um be good enough to you know potentially win a uh, a couple of games for like a cave on thibodeau i think that could be big for him i, I really do so uh I, though it's certainly still a lot of questions behind uh you know the the jaguars and where they go and draft and what they do for the future i do think they Bet greener pastures are ahead, I think, with this team, hopefully. Yep. And this will now be four times in the last six years. So 67% of the last six drafts have had either the Browns or the Jaguars with the number one pick. That is crazy. I mean, and honestly, though, it, it, it kind of feels like how that's been too. Like, I feel like every single year it's either the Browns or Jaguars. <laughs> At least, well, the, the, the First half of the decade, it's been the Browns. The last half of the decade, it's been the Jaguars. It's just kind of how it's been. Yeah, and we talked about this before. Like The best way to turn around a struggling franchise is to get the number one pick in a year with a generational talent. 
and the Jaguars are trying this like over and over again. The Jaguars keep trying and it kind of works out for them. So yeah, it, uh, they got Trevor Lawrence and we don't know exactly what to do with Trevor Lawrence at this point. And so now we find ourselves in a place where the Jacksonville Jaguars are trying again to get the top pick and to get another one of these top these another one of these top picks whether it's Hutchinson or whether it's Thibodeau doesn't really matter like both are regarded as very good prospects and the Lions will get the second one probably unless they win this week and then the is it the the Texans get the second one at this point so yeah who knows (laughs) who knows how this is going to work out for them but uh they're trying to do the thing where they land generational talents in back-to-back drafts as a way to turn their franchise around and 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 good luck to them (laughs) i i do want to say i do think the drop off from two to three is a very very big drop i think whoever gets two is a lot more lucky than ever i I just think the difference between i was rambling on forever before i noticed what happened (laughs) but uh yeah uh I I, uh, I do think the, the disparity between the number one pick and or the number two pick and the number three pick is so big in this draft and so important that if I if I have picked three in this draft, I am looking to trade down instantly right now because I think Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, the two edge rushers from Oregon and Michigan are just so much better than everyone else at this very moment that I just don't know if I'm willing to take a risk on trying to find someone or reach for someone at pick three right now. Cause I just don't see a prospect that is worth a top three pick outside of those two right now, which is very, very, I think different than what we're used to seeing right now. Cause normally we see the drop off in round five or, you know, pick five or six. Like last year we had Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, who are all definitely worth those top few picks. Uh, even someone like Jalen Waddle as well. But um, you know, I, I think now we kind of look at, at these uh, you know, these picks and, and, we're, we're kind of like, oh, is this team good enough to be able to take a uh, – or is this team willing to take a risk on a top three prospect that I mean, not, might not even be worth a top three pick in the draft this year? I think that's that the biggest question mark I have right now, at least in the – or when it comes to the uh, – when it, when, it, when it comes to the, the top top three picks overall. So between the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Lions, I think whoever can land that second, that second pick and whoever lands the third pick, um, I, I definitely would prefer to have the second pick in almost every single scenario because I just don't think this is a uh, – I don't think any of those teams can afford to be able to reach on a third-round prospect right now. So what do you make of or third the – Overall prospect. Yeah, what do you make of that situation if you're the Jets? Or what do you make of that situation if you're the Giants? Because those two teams happen to have four picks in the top 10 as things stand right now. Right. Uh, Yeah, as for the Giants, actually, I think for the Giants and Jets, you're looking at more of, I think, a fair uh, area because they had two picks in the first round, so you're able to probably try to get two positions of need. Also, have a chance to maybe get um, you know, a, a pretty solid position of need at that. I, I think you look at guys like um, uh, Evan Neal, Akima Kwanu, they can find th- those, uh, those guys can be very, very good value and, and, and could be good enough to be able to make it to where it's not a total reach for any of those teams because they, they need that position so badly. Um, so I, I do think this, there's a potential for this to work out for them for sure. Um, as long as they're able to hit on those picks, of course, and not, you know, not of course, uh, you know, get guys that are just obviously not good enough to be able to help your team. Um, <clears throat> so I think for, for those teams, they're, they're in okay positions right now. I just really look towards uh, is our, 
whoever has those later picks, are they able to hit those hit those picks and are are they able to actually help those guys? A lot of those guys to help her help her team at least uh, is what I, what I really look forward to. I really really think those top two prospects, Evan Neal or excuse me, Kevin Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, are one step up. They're tier one, let's say. After that, you get a tier two of guys: Derek Stingley, Evan Neal, Ike McQuanu, Kyle Hamilton. Um, you know, maybe one of those top quarterbacks in the class. I'm not too sure. Those teams seem like a tier two of guys right now. And I think if you can hit on two of those tier two guys, the Jets and Giants have the chance to, uh, that can be just as good as getting one of those top picks and landing one of those guys. So uh, I've been mocking a lot of Kyle Hamilton to the Jets. I love that pick a lot. I also love Akima Kwanu to the uh the Jets uh, for the Giants have been really drafting George Karlaftis, the edge from Purdue, and um, Evan Neal a lot. If they can get those prospects and land both of those and have them work out well enough, I do really, really think that this is a team that has a lot of potential to uh, – both those teams have a lot of potential to have a, a big increase or a much better play next season. All righty. I appreciate you sticking it out with us uh, through technological issues and everything else. Thanks again. Have a great rest you of your so week. Much. Have a great Christmas and uh, good luck to your Bengals, I suppose. <laughs> I appreciate it. Even Merry Christmas for sure. You guys have fun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.